Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Seven years. Hand off. Damian Williams trying to get to the edge. Breaks a tackle. 35, 30. And Damian Williams, 20. Stays in bounds. 15, 10, 5. Touchdown. Kansas City. And the snap goes high over the head of Big Ben. All the way back to the 2, to the 1. And the Browns have it in the end zone. And they dive on the ball and recover it for a Derek looks left. Derek gonna throw for the end zone. Caught! It is caught! Touchdown! <laughs> What's going on, everyone? It's Spencer the Wiz filling in for host Brad Restituto. You are listening to the Rest Stop podcast on every Tuesday and Thursday from 9 to 10 Pacific Standard Time. You can also listen to the show, uh, The Rest Stop, by looking up Landry Football Conference Call wherever you listen to podcasts. The show streams live on Twitter, at Brad the Believer, on Facebook under Brad's Facebook profile, or on Twitch, at Landry Football. Uh, I will actually be hosting the show on Thursday as well, as Brad enjoys a week vacation. Episodes this week may end up being around 30 minutes or so. I'm not sure. I don't really want to stretch it out too far. I want to take the time to talk about some of the storylines that I find the most interesting. And if you guys in the comments section, for those who listen live, want to discuss something else, I can do that as well. I'm going to hit up NFL free agency news, including who is still remaining. Uh, LeBron James made a big purchase and uh, the passing of an all-time great, unfortunately. We'll go and look at some look back at this guy and see what he did in his career. If you probably know what I'm talking about. If not, you'll see later in the show. At the end, I'll go over some highlights from today's games for NBA action. I've got a little highlight package ready for you guys, and then it'll be really fun. Uh, without further ado, we can actually start off by going over this Patriots spending spree, which is uh, kind of insane, actually. Uh, so let me adjust my camera a little bit here. Uh, Hunter Henry was the most recent one. He signs a three-year deal for $37.5 million dollars. Uh, you know, this, of course, is only one signing in the list of many for the Patriots who have been more active than any other team in the NFL. They've also signed Nelson Aguilar on a two-year $26 million deal. Giannu Smith, another tight end on a four-year $50 million deal. Kendrick Bourne, three years, $22.5 million. And uh, they're actually bringing back Cam Newton on a one-year extension. They also got pass rusher Matt Judon, if I'm not mistaken, from the Ravens. So they obviously are looking to be uh, some contenders next year, or at least make the playoffs. Uh, this is also in the wake of numerous guys coming back who opted out last season. That includes Patrick Chung, 
Danny Vitel, Brandon Bolden, Dante Hightower, among others. So will all these new signings bring the Patriots back to glory? Well, considering they were 7-9 and nine last year, despite everything that happened, that is kind of insane. I have to imagine all those names equate to at least one singular win. Nelson Aguilar revitalized his career with the Raiders. Uh, he had a career-high 896 yards and eight touchdowns. Uh, Gianni Smith had a career-high nine touchdowns last year. The reality of the situation, though, is that it falls on Cam Newton. The former MVP simply hasn't been good. Uh, since his MVP season, he's only posted over 3,500 yards passing once and never went above 25 touchdowns. We all knew that someday he would not be able to run the ball like he did in the beginning of his career. Running will always be a part of his game, but uh, that week one performance was an absolute fallacy. It's not without reason that the Patriots are still on the market for a QB, in my opinion. That could be a smokescreen to divert everyone in the league. Their name has been linked to Mac Jones, who many predict will be taken by the Carolina Panthers in the number eight spot, since Matt Rule coached him in the senior bowl. At least that's what people are saying. Uh, we all know what Belichick has done in the past when it comes to traditional pocket passers. Jones threw for 4,500 yards, 41 touchdowns, and only four interceptions on a 77.4 completion percentage last year. He also had a massive game on the world's biggest stage for college sports, although I guess you could say you know it's a pandemic season, so it's a little different. Uh, the biggest knock on Mac Jones will always be that he just isn't a very good athlete. Does that sound familiar? Well, <laughs> I'm not going to compare Mac Jones to Tom Brady, but you know their game is obviously quite similar. Another challenge next year is something that they are not used to, competition. The Bills had a massive development last year, going from a fringe playoff team to Super Bowl contenders. They lost last year mostly because of inexperience on the big stage. With the sting of a conference championship fresh on their mind, they won't be handing over the division easily. On paper, the Bills are still a better football team. Josh Allen is better than Cam Newton, and Stephon Diggs is better than any receiver the Patriots have, regardless of who they have signed this year. The same thing can be said about Tredavious White and any defensive player that they have. If if they aren't able to, they're probably not going to be able to take the division from the Bills, and so they'll have to rely on that wild card spot. Have they done enough to overthrow the Dolphins, the Raiders, the Browns, and the Ravens? I'm just looking at last year. I think the Dolphins and Raiders are obvious choices but I'm not confident they can overthrow the Browns, Colts, or Ravens. Cleveland, you know, actually has the chance now because the Steelers might just fall off a cliff next year after all the guys that they've been losing, all of the offensive linemen. It looks like they're losing Juju Smith-Schuster. They've already lost Bud Dupree to the Titans. Uh, So I guess that means that an open spot is there. I don't think the Raiders and the Dolphins are getting worse next year without a quarterback, so they may be able to get in there. Uh, I think they have a little bit of Caps flexibility left, so we'll have to see if the big spenders have more up their sleeve and what they end up doing in the draft, more importantly, I would say. But uh, did you guys hear about this Taysom Hill contract? Oh, boy. Uh, the very own Adam Scheffner reported that backup Saints quarterback uh, had restructured his contract, and he's now signed a four-year extension worth $140 million. That's an average of $35 million a year, which would make him paid on the same level as Russell Wilson. He would also be making more than Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford, Derek Carr, and Tom Brady. So, did the Saints just make Hill the fifth richest quarterback in the league? 
Uh, not exactly. In fact, they ended up saving $7.5 million against the cap. The truth behind this contract is that every single one of those years is voidable. Apparently, this money isn't real at all. What they really did was convert most of his salary he was supposed to make this year and turned it into a signing bonus. Signing bonuses, while in reality are paid in one lump sum to the player, it can actually be prorated on the books, so against the salary cap over a five-year period, so this year plus the four-year extension when it comes to, like I said, against the cap. Uh, so what they did was make the super bogus contract that they will end up opting out of next year to you know, actually give him something else depending on the way the cap space moves. So the, the reason that they made this number, I have no idea. It, it's just literally for the lols, the LOLs, just to say, hey, look, this guy's the highest paid quarterback next year which we know will never actually happen. Uh, the Saints' troubles are not over. In fact, they have a long way to go before they can become cap compliant. According to overthecap.com, the Saints will still have roughly $12 million to erase by, I've seen people say Wednesday, so I'm guessing that means tomorrow, uh, or maybe it could be next week as well. Although I'm not I'm not sure if that number includes uh, Taysom Hill's restructure or the release of Janoris Jenkins, who as well went over to the Titans. They've been kind of heavy spenders this year. Uh, regardless, it's it's obvious the Saints will not be making any big moves in free agency this offseason. Uh, this is a harsh reality for the Saints, who have been aggressive from the 65% increase in cap space from 2011 to 2020. Uh, that sharp decline of 8% this year uh, has exposed them financially. The Saints are not the only team who has been you know, forced to release some of their best talent due to money, but they surely are the worst situations, the one most notable and the poster child of these people who went all in on the cast face continuing to rise, which in fairness to them was reported the year before. Other uh, free agency news, we have Andy Dalton. Uh, he signed a deal with the Bears and will likely be their starter going into week one. His $10 million contract will give the team flexibility to sign players elsewhere to support him because uh, they did give that franchise tag to Allen Robinson. Dalton, for all it's worth, he did have a 4-5 and five record with the Cowboys despite how garbage the team was in last year's you know season. On the surface, he looks like another Mike Lennon and Nick Foles that they have paraded in the past four years. I think Dalton is a step above these guys at this point in his career and can do enough to support them defensively where they not where they just can't even put any points up on the board. He can do a little bit of that. He won't make the division, you know, he's not going to take the division from the Packers, but considering they made the playoffs under Trubisky, I would say he can do the exact same thing. In fact, uh this was not the Bears number one option this offseason. Uh, you know, Adam Scheffner went on ESPN today. I watched to say Chicago made a significant offer. I think those are the quotes to the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, but as of right now, they have zero interest in trading the all pro quarterback for the time being, despite him, you know, giving him that list of four teams, he'd be willing to waive his no trade clause for. It is worth noting that the Seahawks may eventually be open to moving on from him in the future. If things don't continue to go south, in my opinion, I say, Russell Wilson is not on the trading block at all. There's no way you can give an all pro guy away like that in his prime. Even if he's unhappy, we got to put this in the dirt now because the last thing I want to see in the NFL is a bunch of guys start moving. It's ruined the NBA for the most part under Adam Silver's NBA. 
and we'll talk a lot a little basketball later uh it's just sad to see what basketball was from david stern which was some of the best basketball i think in history to whatever this is now of like 130 points a game there's a super mega ultra team in brooklyn uh i just don't like it so hopefully the seahawks are able to figure things out hopefully the texans are able to figure things out too to quell some of this craziness that's going on among some teams that just don't win the super bowl every year which is bound to happen it also gives, I think, teams a lot less flexibility when there's so much pressure from your quarterback to constantly having to make these big moves that may put you under a bad salary cap space. And I don't know. I mean, you also have to just think about players not willing to make pay cuts anymore, which also hurts the team. And that's why Tom Brady's been so successful. But who else is left in the free agency? Uh, one second. Here we go. Uh, looks like the quarterback situation doesn't exist because the Washington football team uh, signed none other than the aging Ryan Fitzpatrick to a one-year deal. There's also guys like Mitchell Trubisky and Alex Smith out there, but they likely won't make teams until injuries occur early in the season. I really don't think Alex Smith has an opportunity as well, uh, considering that teams are pro- probably just scared to put him out there. I mean, this guy could legitimately just lose his leg at any moment in time, despite him playing pretty well at times last year. For Ryan Fitzpatrick, I mean, he's done it again. This guy's going to be a quarterback forever, and he's probably the best quarterback that the Washington football team has. They made the playoffs last year, and I think he's better than Ryan Heineke as long as he can stay in shape, which he still seems pretty dedicated to. It's like if Ben Roethlisberger cared about his body as much as he did, then he'd probably have a much better career as well, and the Steelers may have actually been a pretty dangerous team last year. So we'll see. Uh, I don't put too much to it. Washington's not going to go to the Super Bowl with them next year. And those other guys, I don't think, are going to make any sort of shift either. Uh, The running back situation's a little better. Uh, They got Chris Carson, Kenyon Drake, Leonard Fournette, and Todd Gurley are still circulating around. Uh, Some of the names will likely, you know, they'll likely be starters, I think, in the league, although I'm not sure any of them will find their way into the top five statistics in any category this year. So they'll just kind of be one of those middling guys that stay there for a while. They leave, they go to the next team, and so on, which is kind of sad because Todd Gurley is still a relatively young guy, I think. Uh, Chris Carson's up there. Kenyon Drake had a good season. So I think Scheme Fit will also be huge for them to see if they can you know, make something out of the, their uh, careers and continue to get more contracts. There are plenty of wide receivers still in the market. That includes Kenny Galladay, Juju Smith-Schuster, Will Fuller, Antonio Brown, T.Y. Hilton, and A.J. Green. Kenny has been one of the most premier deep threats in the NFL since entering the league. He's averaging 16.8 yards of reception in his career. Uh, he had 1,000 yards in both 2018 and 2019 before injuries you know, have plagued him since. Bleacher Report Adam Wells reports that teams are only interested in the wide receiver, quote, at certain price points. Being that Chris Godwin and Allen Robinson were tagged, Gany Galladay probably felt as though the market for him would only shoot up, but that does not seem to be the case at all. The main team linked to Kenny has been the Giants, although a deal does not seem imminent. He's meeting with them, and you know he's going to get some sort of decent number. But in a cap Titan season, when there's a lot of offensive linemen out there, there's a lot of defensive guys, I just don't think teams are looking at the skill position as one of the top parts to sign. We'll see uh, Juju. He emerged onto the season in 2018. He had 1,400 yards, but uh, he has yet to hit the 1,000-yard mark since. 
although he did have a career high nine touchdowns in 2020. At only 24 years old, it's surprising to see the youngster not receiving more interest, in my opinion. Uh, I believe it is likely he'll sign with the Raiders in the coming days, uh, considering they let Nelson Aguilar walk on a reasonable deal in wake of reports that the rest of the league believed he would stay in Vegas. I thought he was going to be there, and everyone else did. So I think they have some sort of alternate plan, and I've heard nothing about Kenny Galladay to the Raiders. So that's where my prediction is. Will Fuller has looked explosive at many points in his career, but injuries will prevent him from ever getting a big contract. Uh, will cap this, you know, like I said, cap space is tight. So do you want to spend it on somebody who's going to ask for a decent number if you don't know if he's going to play 16 games? And realistically, he definitely is not going to play 16 games. I predict he will not sign a deal for many weeks to come, and I'm not sure teams are going to be looking at him anytime soon. The idea of Antonio Brown being a, on a franchise would be ludicrous. Like just being a free agent, I think in general would be crazy four years ago. Many people, including myself, thought his career was over before having a successful season with the Buccaneers, where he's on pace for like a thousand yards after not even basically playing in the first two. Uh, he even caught a touchdown in the Super Bowl, single coverage, and he just dominated this guy. He's still one of the top receivers in the NFL when he plays. When a team eventually does put him on a roster, Will we see the invisible, hardworking Brown on Tampa Bay, or will he be the frozen foot, helmet-complaining nightmare that we saw on the Raiders? It's hard to say at this point. I think, as much as I think there is something wrong with him, I do think he acted all nuts and crazy because his ultimate goal was to play for Tom Brady last year. That's all he cared about. And so he was going to be willing to do anything he could, whether or not that was yelling at Mike Mayock or doing the stupid thing in the cryo chamber, all of it. He just wanted to get his ring and he was right. He knew the right, he knew where it was to be on the right side of history with how loaded Tampa Bay was. And now let's see if he can actually behave himself when everything isn't perfect, because it doesn't look like Tampa Bay is going to be bringing him back. Or at least I haven't heard reports of that. T.Y. Hilton was once considered one of the best receivers in football, when playing for Jacoby Brissett and Philip Rivers, it's understandable that the deep threat, uh, you know, he being a deep threat, would see a decline in his productions. Uh, the Texans should make a run at the 31-year-old, although it has been reported all over that the Colts will be looking to match any offer given to him so that Carson Wentz can have his best chance to revitalize his career in Indy and not start him off on the wrong foot. We also know that he can throw the deep ball as well. He's got a great arm. A.J. Green had the definitive worst season of his career last year, despite playing with the phenom quarterback, Joe Burrow, who was on historical pace. He had some of the worst separation stats in the NFL on top of being 32 years old. It's possible the former pro bowler could turn things around uh, with another team, but it's honestly not likely, in my opinion. <coughs> his uh, time may have passed. The offensive line market is better than it has ever been. Names such as Trent Williams, Rodney Hudson, Alex Mack, Eric Fisher, Kyle Long, Mitchell Schwartz, and Russell Okung all look to continue their career with a new team. Age and injuries all plague these list of names, but clearly the talent is its just there. The Raiders will likely be the most active on the names on this list since they have let go four of their starters, which is from Gabe Jackson, Trent, and Rodney Hudson, uh, and, you know, Kyle Long is in particular will likely find himself in Vegas after meeting with the team yesterday. Uh, it was reported that he did leave and he is going to Kansas City. So that might be really bad for them. But 
the Chiefs did just sign uh, Thune from the Patriots, like one of the best offensive linemen that was available at the time. So I'm not sure how much money they have left. Although I know Pat Mahomes has already restructured his deal to kind of work with the weird cap space they have, uh, which is nice to see that he's willing to do that because he signed an unbelievable deal. The defensive tackle position also has Donick and Sue still available uh, and Jarrell Casey. Those are the kind of the two names for me. Sue is far removed from his time as a premier pass rusher that he used to be with the Lions, but he has proven to still be one of the best run stuffers in football. Jarrell Casey has fallen under the radar. He had a torn tricep last year. The sign lined him the entire time, so he never really even played for the Broncos. But before 2020, he made, or 2021, uh, I should say, he made the Pro Bowl in consecutive seasons uh, all the way from 2015, which is kind of insane. The edge rusher position is also ripe with talent. This list is headlined by Hassan Reddick, Justin Houston, Carlos Dunlap, Melvin Ingram, and Dejavian Clowney. And you could also say Olivia uh, Vernon. Reddick will be the most interesting contracts to keep note of uh, when he does finally decide to sign a deal since the former third round pick had 12 and a half sacks along with six forced fumbles last year after a total of 7.5 sacks in his first three seasons combined. Will there be a team out there willing to take the risk? Like, or was this a fluke season? That is a lot because he's going to have a big asking price. A guy who has 12 and a half sacks in a season, as young as he is, is going to get a big number. So who's willing to say that he can do it again next year? I mean, a lot of times guys just take time to develop, but still all you have is just one microcosm. So if you sign him, you got to be confident that you can somehow repeat the system that he was in to be so successful. Age will surely be the biggest barrier for Justin Houston and Melvin Ingram, but both still have been productive in their advancing age. Houston in particular has been, has seen like very little decline. He had 19 sacks across two seasons with the Colts. Ingram, I'll give you that, did not post a single sack in seven appearances last year, although he was dealing with the knee issue through it all. So I've heard some people say that, you know, he was just doing it because he's a tough football player, when in reality, he probably should have sat out on the sidelines. And he really should have because the Chargers were awful last year. As for Clowney, I mean, what am I supposed to say? The college star has never actually had a 10-sack season in his career, which I didn't know before looking it up today. In eight games for the Titans, he didn't have a single one last year. He banked on himself in years past, waiting for a massive contract that will now never come. I expect another short-term deal with a lot of incentives coming his way. KJ Wright and Jalen Brown are the most notable players in the linebacker position, and they will most likely find themselves on another team since the cap space for the Seahawks and the Titans are all but gone. Both players excel in coverage, and in Brown's case, he's only 26, uh, so he'll actually he might be considered one of the top free agents left just overall in this year, being that the linebacker position is just so thin for so many teams. And again, I think the Raiders will be in that list, but they need help on every single position in football. So I guess you could just put their hat in every single name that I'm saying here. There are a ton of corners that will look to make impacts as the number two corner on their teams. Those names include Richard Sherman, Casey Hayward, A.J. Bouye, Brian Poole, Malcolm Butler, Xavier Rhodes, Adoree Jackson, Patrick Peterson, and Richard Sherman. None of those names will make the Pro Bowl next season, but not everyone on your roster can do that. A lot of those guys will have a real opportunity to shine covering a team's second best receiver. And I think that's really cool. And 
I don't know what number you're going to get for these guys, but not all of them are going to be paid that much. I can't imagine any of those guys I just mentioned will be getting over $10 million next year. So if you still have a little bit of cap space, and I know a lot of teams don't, this is where a lot of value could come in as long as you have that established number one guy that you feel comfortable with guarding on your team. Richard Sherman in particular uh, has been linked to the Raiders once again. Uh, he, he went on a podcast with John Gruden, who tampered with him. And on top of that, Gus Bradley is the coordinator for the Raiders on defense now. And he was the defensive coordinator for the Legion of Boom. And Melvin Ingram as well. He was the defensive coordinator for on the Chargers during some of his best seasons. So maybe they'll make it their way down there. Anthony Harris and Keanu Neal are the only people to pay attention at the safety position. Harris led the league in interceptions in 2019, but didn't have any in 2020. Although the Vikings as a whole didn't play to the level that many thought they would. Keanu Neal has been a young star, but he never kind of lifted off from that of just playing over, like being a great first round pick where you expect him to kind of develop into like a top five player in the league. He just kind of got stuck and there has been a lot of injuries, but both of those guys, I think, will actually get pretty decent paydays. I think Harris just turned 30 years old, so he may not get what he wanted, but we'll see where he ends up going because I think he could still be a really good top 10 safety in the league and can lead a defense like vocally. Uh, we'll move on to the NBA for now. Uh, as the NBA trade deadline approaches, many teams will be looking to make their moves here coming up, including the Boston Celtics, but one name that is off the table, apparently, is Bradley Beal. The athletic Fred Katz at David Aldridge reported that the Washington Wizards would not be fielding any trade calls for the league's leading scorer. On top of that, Beal himself, Beal himself excuse me, has not submitted a trade request. While this might seem regular in the 80s, we now live in a world where a player wants to leave the first time their franchise doesn't make the playoffs. In some instances, such as Russell Wilson, making the playoffs isn't enough either. Beal can opt out of his current two-year $72 million contract this offseason and sign an insane $266 million over five-year exclusively with the Wizards, or he can get a maximum of five years, $198 million contract with another team. Uh, Beal seems content sticking with the plans in Washington and wants to cement his legacy with the team. The long-term outlook for the Wizards isn't awful by any stretch of the imagination, with core pieces such as Troy Brown, Denny Advengia, Rui Hachimura, and Thomas Bryant, there is hope down the line. The only glaring issue for the team is Russell Westbrook. Fortunately, I kinda, his contract runs out in two years or they can let him walk in free agency. So this season and next season, I think the year after that, then he's a free agent. On top of that, you know they likely won't be signing any of the aforementioned names, which are some of these young pieces, to big contracts. Like anything over $20 million, definitely not going to happen, which gives them flexibility to sign a real star opposite of Beal in the future. You have to give a lot of credit for a star player not abandoning the team that drafted him and looking down the road while working hard each night in and out. He's never given up on the team. Even though they were the definitive worst team in the NBA in the first two weeks, they're now... Not good, but a little more respectable. Chasing, but not actually chasing the eighth seed in the East, which is nice to see. They'll be very bad again next year. And then hopefully the year after that, uh, they can start making some moves. And I'm sure Scott Brooks will not be a part of those plans. But Bradley Beal seems to like what they're saying, and he's just going to continue doing his work in. Uh, LeBron James, <laughs> in other basketball news, made huge highlights uh, or I should say a big power move today. 
He purchased an unknown amount of the Boston Red Sox with longtime partner Maverick Carter a day after destroying the Golden State Warriors on national television. Uh, LeBron already owns 2% of the soccer giant Liverpool in the English Premier League and has been linked into buying the WNBA's Atlanta Dream. He is truly one of the most interesting athletes in the, the world has ever seen. He's as successful as Michael Jordan when it comes to on-court, and yet has navigated the business world much more smoothly. He has always found a way to be on the right side of history and has been the author of his own narrative his entire career. When he does decide to hang it all up, he could become one of the biz- the biggest business moguls, I think, in sports history. When I say that, I mean athletes. While his $1 billion lifetime contract with Nike sounds insane, which it is, uh, it pales in comparison to the likes of hedge fund managers and Jeff Bezos. So I'm not saying that he's going to be just on top of the world, but clearly he's able to diversify his portfolio. He also owns like eight Blaze franchises. Uh, He knows what he's doing in Maverick Carter is just kind of navigating through it all. And it seems to be working out quite well for them. Still, uh, you know, Michael Jordan is not a poor person. He has a net worth of like $1.6 billion I looked up. Uh, but I think LeBron, the fact that he's gone so public with it, with his enterprise, it'll help him grow once he finally does retire. Michael Jordan kind of just quietly runs this whole like, you know, Nike and Jordan brand, all that stuff is going to help his net worth. Uh, but for LeBron, he's really looking to actually make smart decisions and kind of let people know about it. It's interesting to see someone in their prime, like be in the limelight in that sense, outside of the basketball court. Uh, I did want to take some time actually to talk about the passing of Marvin Hagley or Marvin Hagler, excuse me. Uh, the story was actually strange. So when it first came out, uh, it was reports that he may have died from complications from receiving the COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, But his wife came out yesterday to dismiss those rumors and said uh, he passed away from natural causes. I do want to take a moment to look at some of his career highlights so we can all appreciate, you know, what he did when he was, you know, one of the great boxers for sure. That's what I feel. War. That's what's on my mind.
Those were uh, some of the highlights from the uh, past, from the great uh, Marvin, marvelous Marvin Hagler, as he was known. Uh, I don't really know much about the guy. Obviously, it wasn't during my time, but my dad used to tell me about how special his fights were between guys like Sugar Ray Leonard and Thomas Hearns. They meant something. Boxing has lost all meaning, in my opinion. Uh, I think it was when Mayweather accepted a fight, Conor McGregor. You know, by doing so, Floyd mocked what it meant to be the greatest fighter of all time. It used to be a really difficult to fight the champion. You have to work so hard to get up there. When some guy from the UFC with a loud mouth gets a chance to go straight to the top, integrity goes all out of the window immediately. That's when these non-official boxing events where YouTube stars fight basketball players, it gets real attention. Like that is the consequence of doing something like that. It's a shame because the market right now dictates that fighting is still an extremely popular sport. The UFC has probably grown since the pandemic started, actually. Uh, I honestly have no idea what boxing can do uh, to get back into glory and how they can get people to care about it. Uh, but again, I do want to say, you know, my condolences out to his family and it's just sad. And it was actually really cool to go back and, uh, you know, see what some of the all time greats did back in the day. Uh, I'll finish up tonight since, you know, we're a little early here uh, with just going over everything. I don't have like the two games going on right now. Minnesota uh, is down one at halftime to the Lakers. That's course 70 to 71. I imagine that's going over. Uh, the Pelicans, who are five games under 500, are leading uh, 91 to 74 over the Portland Trailblazers with 145 left to go in the third. Uh, but I do have some actual highlight packages I would like to show you here. And uh, we can start off with the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat uh, had a blowout victory over the Cleveland Cavaliers. And I don't think it was actually close at all. Bam Bonabayo came back, so let's see what he did in his return. He's been their best player this year. Yeah, he's a talented player, and I think he's just ultra-competitive uh, from that guard spot. But he missed not being a part of all that joy he saw his teammates have. Six on the shot clock, a steal by Butler. Fires ahead for Olenek. I'm a keeper. And a follow from Bam. Uh, so, yeah, Bam had the follow-up there from Kelly Olenek. Uh, so Butler actually was all over in the first half. Come check out some of these first half highlights and when they really started to take over. Here comes Bam hitting ahead for none. Inside, it's Butler on the turn for the score and the foul. But Bam goes out. So does Duncan Robinson. Eric Spolster told the media before the game he was going to play Bam in shorter spurts of minutes. Jimmy Butler on the bounce pass from Dragic. Cavaliers are 2 of 17 from 3 tonight. Olenek, oh my he looked like he was slaloming downhill as he went to the basket. Up by 12 for the second time here in this quarter. Butler with the takeaway. Looks back, nobody home. Butler with another defense turns to offense. So, yeah, he had a great first half. I think he had something like 14 points. And other than that, in the second half, the only thing to note is that Miami's defense, you know, kept it turned on and kind of just took over. On the initial ball fake or quick explosive move with his feet. Uh, when he gets into that paint with that floater, that runner, he's got excellent touch. Duncan darting into the passing lane to create this and that. There we go. And uh, it was never really close. There's nothing else worth noting in that game other than that. They lost me my ticket tonight. I had Cleveland plus 10 and a half, and they weren't able to even get close to there. Uh, other than that, they had the 76ers game. Tobias Harris scores 30 and lifts the 76ers over the Knicks in a close 99 to 66 or 96 battle. 
Uh, we can go ahead and take a look at there. I'll show you some. Uh, Dwight Howard actually had a massive game, and I'll pull up his stats in just a moment. But check out him cleaning up the glass. Steve Austin for all y'all out there. Come on. Bionic. Oh, it's hammered back by Dwight Howard off the miss by Furkan Korkmaz. Dwight Howard ended the game with 11 points and 12 rebounds and was just all over the place. Uh, the team is without Joel Embiid, uh, so I took the Knicks plus seven. I actually won that ticket, which is very nice. Uh, ben Simmons had a really nice alley-oop off a of deflection, I believe, steal from Seth Curry. Let's take a look. By Fulton Bank. Steal or the dislodge from Danny Green and then up to Ben Simmons. Thibault was also massive in the second half for them. I think uh, he had a really big defensive play. Come check this out. Furkan to move his feet, no foul, and then great help from the Chiefs. Here's Thibault for three. On the other end, Matisse Thibault. He had a big half, a uh, big block on Julius Randle as well. And one other highlight I'll show you, Curry took the lead late, and then Tobias Harris had sealed it. Let's check out Curry giving them the lead late in the second half. Harris against Bullock, who's got five personals. Curry for the lead. Yes! Curry ended the game with uh, 20 points, three rebounds, and two assists. And, uh, you know, the, the 76ers are on a six-game winning streak without Joel Embiid, who had recently took a pretty nasty fall, didn't play in that all-star game, of course. Uh, we can go over next the uh, national TV game here, where uh, the Utah Jazz got a very nice victory. And I'll pull up the graphic for you all. Uh, I believe, yeah, so Rudy Gobert had 16 points, 12 rebounds, and four blocks uh, in a 117-109 victory. And I may be starting off with that as well. Actually, check out this ball movement early on. Uh, the game was close for most of it, but we're pulling away kind of late. But here, check, take a look at what they have going on over there. Too strong. Tice on the rebound blocked by Gobert. See the good ball movement. Bogdanovich kicks it back out. There's Conley. Beautiful pass work. And wow. that's the end result. Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles, one of the best knockdown shooters in the league. So that's what they're doing offensively. But we all know that Rudy Gobert is not a defensive player of the year for no reason. Take a look at what he can do on both ends of the floor. And a cutoff Brown. Now Brown. Goes right at Gobert, and it's slapped away. That's his fourth block. Lead pass Gobert at the other end. Timeout, Boston. Rudy Gobert, seven. Yeah, you saw uh, Jalen Brown actually get uh, come back late on defense there. Daniel Tyson dogging them on the three-point line. Rudy Gobert snuck right past him for the alley-oop. And, uh, you know, it was pretty close until the last few minutes when Donovan Mitchell hit this kind of clutch shot to end it all. To be able to do play the right way, a double team comes, find an open teammate. Mitchell for three. Yes. Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, that sealed the game for them. And the Celtics, once again, just proved that they are a very not serious basketball team. And they ain't got nothing going on over there. Uh, we can go over the uh, Rockets game. There's not really much to talk about the outside of the Rockets losing a whole bunch of games in a row. Uh, looks like their 17th game in a row, and by over 10 points, I think, in all of those losses. So nothing's looking good. 
the Atlanta Hawks, on the other hand, have Nate McMillan as their head coach now, and they're still playing great offensively because they have one of the best offensive rosters of the league. But it seems to be coming, becoming you know, coming together. Although you could just say that they were playing the Houston Rockets, we'll see. But they're on six games, and it all started with Kevin Herter in the first quarter. Oladipo loses the handle. Herter takes it end to end and lays it home. If you can believe it, this game was close for the majority of it. Uh, John Collins kept it going with an alley-oop in the second quarter. Another pass. Ticketed to the lane. Hawks take that one away, too. Trey going up with the lob to John Collins. Timeout, Houston. A truly nasty throwdown there. That was actually kind of sick. Uh, but, you know, as the game went on in the second half, uh, Trey... Young just kind of took over. No matter what you say, if you don't like him or like him, the guy is so talented offensively, and the Rockets just have no defensive presence, including the effort from John Wall, which is never there. Check out what Trey Young can do. Oh, what a crossover. Oh, that was like the roadrunner. Very quick. And uh, there's a, I'll show you the basket that actually ended up sealing the game, and that was from Danilo Garnelli. Uh, silencing anything Houston Rockets thought they could come back. John going to work. Gallo swings it, gets it back. On the deck, in the air, lay in, good. Danilo Gallinari is the Hawks. And uh, that was just about it. Another close game in the first half actually was this Bulls game. And I'll pull up the graphic for that as well. Uh, Zach Levine, I think, had 40 points in this performance. And uh, he started off with a big, big statement. Serrano, they got out in transition. Oh, Roby wasn't looking for the ball. Sadoransky's got it. Lob for LeBron. Go get it. Oh, my. Flight eight. Do you have your... It was actually a huge dunk contest, and I'll show you two more highlights. This time, Laurie Marketing got in over, and it was pretty darn nasty. Take a look. The three has gone down. Here is Marketing. Aggressive. Oh, oh, stop it. Oh, my stop it. Don't Lowry make the finisher mad. You done made him mad. Absolutely nothing. Get up and get out the way. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about right there, Bulls fans. This is what the finisher does right here. This is what I need to see more of. Look at that. Ooh, wee. Brown. That's a poster. Ooh, that That's is, a poster. Oh, my That's goodness. A poster. I cannot help but agree. That guy jumped and when he should not have, and he just got up and did it. Well, he wasn't the only one with a major highlight dunk. Take a look at Thaddeus Young, someone he would never think would have a posterizer or even a, not, a nice dunk for that. Well, this is a tough wake-up call for the Bulls after the excellent start. Oh, oh turns back the clock. Magic Johnson. A fountain Ooh. of youth at the United Center oh, for Thaddeus my Young. Goodness. My gosh. Watch Thaddeus right here. Doc Brown, get the DeLorean ready. We're going back in time. That was was, uh, an electric dunk, perhaps, of 1.21 gigawatt variety. Oh, yeah. Absolutely disgusting. And in the second half, I think Zach Levine ended up taking over. And if you can start scoring on OKC, there's a 0% chance they're going to be able to keep it going. Take a look at Zach Levine. Got a mismatch with Sato. Levine with the steal, got into the passing lane. What a reverse, Levine. Great finesse there. Uh, So, yeah, I think that covers it all for NBA action tonight. 
And uh, that should actually do it for the rest stop. Uh, thanks for joining me on tonight's episode. I want to thank Brad Restituto for letting me fill in for him tonight. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at Brad the Believer and to follow him on tw- or follow us on Twitch, I should say, at Landry Football. You can also listen back on this episode in all past episodes. Just look up Landry Football Conference Call wherever you listen and you'll find us there. Thank you to everyone for joining and I'll see you guys on Thursday. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.